What's up, Yugi bros, Yugi ladies, Yugi non-binary folks, and Elliot Page only? Um, it's time for the Yugi Bros podcast. And I'm ready to roll some die. Yes, ready to play a game that I have a lot of questions about. Ready to learn a completely new game after 46 episodes of learning a different one. What if you had to learn a totally new game, and also if you lost the game, you could never play your favorite game ever again? <laughs> That'd be pretty bad. I don't know if I'd go for that deal. What, what this episode presupposes is, what if you had to do that? Um, we uh, took a week off, and I feel like I've totally forgotten how to talk on a podcast. Um, but hoping I feel that... like that every time we record. But yeah. <laughs> um, I hope that everybody in the audience had a good holiday. Um, I know that you had a nice time, uh, a nice holiday, Sam. Um, I did. That's awesome. Um, I did, I did, I did see my family, but we took precautions. We were all outside with masks. The weather was very nice. We served the food using gloves and stuff. So, and no one's one's been reported sick. So that's nice. Yeah. Well, and also like I, you stayed in state. Yes. I drove a little safer than like. Definitely. Some people were doing like cross country travel, which is yeah, which is a big risk. I'm I'm surprised that people have been there's like been so much people, so many people using the airport. Like that seems like the yeah. worst possible place to be. Yeah. In non-COVID times, I don't like being at the airport. Same. I don't feel like super healthy safe there um although i do like the austin airport it's got a taco deli it's got a taco deli like i went in there and i was like oh this is all the stuff i like about austin in it (laughs) because it's like a quick tourist spot Um, yeah you don't even need to come to austin just come to the airport eat at amy's ice cream taco deli Come to the Stubbs Austin barbecue Airport or whatever. and you can pay $12 for a pint of beer that I could get at <laughs> H-E-B in a six-pack for like six bucks. Yeah. Um, they also have like a coffee vending machine that I haven't tried, but looks really cool. Where it's like you can input what coffee you want. And then it will oh, like almost that. like those Japanese ones. Yeah. And it seems really cool, and I've heard cool stuff about it. But when I, the last time I traveled, I was like, I need to do the least amount of things that will make me have to pee here or on the airplane. So, no coffee. Yeah. Uh, on that note, um, let's ask, uh, we would do the what you're watching, but uh, none of us are watching anything new. So instead, we're just going to ask each other uh, questions. Let's do it. Yes. What is Uh, your question? So my question for you is, um, I've been thinking about this because it's a phrase that you use a lot, and I kind of want to know what your definition of it is, which is, what is a sad white boy movie to you? Oh, okay. Great. Great question. A sad white boy movie is generally, it stars a sad white boy. Mm-hmm. It can be uh, mixed, but generally uh, they're white, male. That's the protagonist. And um, mm-hmm. the movie kind of centers around them, and it's about them like going through something. Uh, oftentimes they're sad in the film at some point or throughout all the film. Mm-hmm. And examples I have are Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. Um, fifty fifty, I I think is a sad boy movie. So I think. Con- Sorry, go ahead. I, I so is it? 
are they sad boy movies or are they like sad white boy movies? Um, uh, they're usually white boy movies because there aren't a whole lot that I know of just mm -hmm. sad boy movies. But we got to change that genre. We got to we got to diversify our sad boy movies so it can just be sad boys instead of sad white boys. Yes, that is the 500 genre. Days of Summer. Another one. The genre. It's a lot of JGL. A lot yes, of JGL is very good at it. Uh, I think Casablanca is technically in that genre a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, but that's what I wanted. Okay, so that's why I was asking. Because yeah. I was driving in my car yesterday thinking about this. Yes. And I was like, does it count as a sad white boy movie if, like... Because when I think of, like, a sad, sad boy movie... I think of like the movie Garden State, which is absolutely yeah, Zach Braff. But like the yes. thing about that movie is that all the other characters are so one dimensional, especially the women. And the only one that's kind of got something in him is the main Zach Braff character. So I'm wondering, does it count as like a sad boy movie if there are other characters that are like taking up a good chunk of the plot? Uh, I think as long as it centers around them as a protagonist, it does. What is your favorite sad boy movie that is not Casablanca? Because I know that's your favorite movie. Goodwill Hunting, baby. Oh, yeah. The ultimate sad boy movie. Yeah. I've never seen Goodwill Hunting. Really? Oh, it's no. a great film. I've heard it's great. I, I just never have, like, sat down and watched it. I'm sure that... It's about going to therapy and uh, Robin Williams is great. What if your therapist was Robin Williams? <laughs> and he was also from Boston. What if everyone was from Boston? And um, it has Elliot Smith on the soundtrack. Oh, mm. hell yeah. Sad white boy music. Excellent. Very much. Um... Tweet yeah. us what your favorite sad white boy movie is. Or if you can just think of one. Me? Or the audience? No, uh, the, the audience. You can too if you want. I mean, I'll take it. But the uh -huh. audience. I mean, I would say my favorite sad boy white boy movie is The Social Network. Which is about real uh, yeah. life sad white boy Mark Zuckerberg. Another great one. Um, there was a movie I was thinking about. Which I wasn't sure if it was a sad white boy movie or sad white white girl movie. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what it was. I uh, would honestly. Oh, argue. it was a uh, it was Lost in Translation. Oh yeah, you know what? That one's kind of like a flip. Yeah, it's almost both because like Bill Murray's pretty sad in that movie too. Definitely, yeah. I was gonna say kind of the same thing on Eternal Sunshine because I feel like Kate Winslet's character is also very like sad girl that's true she does kind of have that whole they do explore why she went and got her memory erased or whatever yeah i always forget that like what's his name frodo is in that movie <laughs> yeah um frodo is in that movie and he's trying to hook up with uh jim carrey's gal the yeah. whole time and also uh, I think Kristen Dunst is in it, too. Yep. Kristen Dunst is in the ultimate sad white girl movie, which is Melancholia. I have not seen that. It is so slow and it is so sad that I never finished it. I watched five minutes of it and I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> try again next time. But yeah. Um, if you are listening to this and you uh, like our Twitter or you just want to like tweet at somebody at all, you should tweet at Yugi Bros Podcast what your favorite sad white boy movie is and make it hashtag sad boy movie. Hashtag sad white boy movies. I was going to say hashtag sad boy movies because I'm like, maybe somebody else has a non-white sad boy movie that they could i'm sure watch. they exist oh yeah 
I think uh maybe have you seen Burning? Oh no, film. I haven't. Every time I, I think that's close. Yeah. For sure. Uh Sad Boy movie is that one sketch in uh I think you should leave where um Tim Robinson eats the poop uh <laughs> receipt. The the birthday gift one. That's my yeah. favorite one. Yeah. It's good. Oh, it's so good. Um but yeah, tweeted us what your favorite sad boy movie is. All right, my question for you is what's your favorite meal? Like what's my favorite like breakfast, lunch and dinner or just like in general? Like food wise. In general, like what's a thing you would like to eat whenever? Um I like it like depends on the um, time of day, but I'm kind of always down for pasta. It feels like okay. a lame answer, but like <laughs> pasta is so good, and you can do so much with it. But yeah, I'm are you always... like a spaghetti or a linguine? Honestly, fettuccine? since last year, I've been getting more into like gnocchi. What is that? So, generally, it's made with like potato potato gnocchi and it's like these little um in a little noodle shape that's like um like soft and like a little bit chewy and um the best way to have them is with this like brown butter sage sauce that's like hmm. super easy to make it's it it is not a healthy meal <laughs> because the it's like brown butter, sage, uh, Parmesan cheese, shallots, all that. It's very unhealthy, but it's so good. It's like a premium uh, rent week meal. We mm. don't have a lot of money, so you just like buy pre-made gnocchi and you kind of throw a bunch of things in a pan and it's super rich and like totally fills you up. Nice. That's that good shit. I just mostly like savory foods. I've never yeah. been much of a sweet person. Um, like, you know, when you go to the complimentary breakfast at a hotel? Yeah. I would always go for, like, the little sausage links and, like, avoid the the mini muffins and the yogurts. Uh, uh, I like the pancakes and the waffles and eggs. Well, the waffles are fun because you get to, like, pour your own waffle batter. Right. And in Texas, it's usually the shape of Texas. That's true. Um, there was this hotel that me and my family would always go to when we would like, go sledding in um, northern Arizona. And at the complimentary breakfast, there would be a guy just standing next to the waffle maker, like one of the hotel guys, and he would do yeah. it for you. It always felt like hell yeah. It was like the guests cannot be trusted with the waffle maker. <laughs> you'd have to like They're complicated. You'd take your little cup, you'd get your little serving of waffle batter, and then go hand it to the man and be like, "Please make me a waffle." Yeah, people are fucking messy too. That's true. People are fucking messy, and that's why everyone's got to stay home during the Rona. Yep. Y'all can't clean up after yourself. Oh, man. Speaking of things that couldn't happen in the Rona. Time to talk about Dungeon Dice. Time to hop back on the part two of Dungeon Dice Monsters, a new game. Why did it feel like at the beginning of this episode, there had been a whole conversation between the characters that we, the audience, didn't get to see? Yeah, like they didn't it, even do it last time on Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, like, is it just because it's been about a week since I've watched, over a week now, since I watched um, this, like, part one, but I was like, I don't remember them talking about if Yu-Gi loses, he can't play Duel Monsters anymore. Yeah. 
but it felt yeah, like I felt like the this match happened right after the last episode, but it doesn't feel that way in the episode. Yeah. And also, so they start this episode off with like more emphasis on the fact that there's like an audience watching the duel. Yeah. Um, a worldwide audience. A worldwide audience that you kind of only see represented through like a bunch of people crowding outside of the game, uh, Duke's game store. Um, and they, the whole dueling arena changes so that it's a dungeon dice dueling arena, which makes yep. me kind of be like, then why did you have it set up? like uh dual monsters in the first place oh right that was because he uh dueled joey it's been a while i forgot that that happened yeah and yugi has to learn a whole new game which he says i'm a quick study instead yeah. of i'm a quick learner i mean yugi has to learn a whole new game and we the audience also have to learn a whole new that's true. It's not bode well for me. I don't understand games. Uh, I don't understand this one either, but... Uh, it's up to Yugi, our quote-unquote master gamer. Yes. Um, so it starts off... I, I wrote down some of the rules, but I feel like it's still not going to be totally easy to understand... Basically, you have a pool of about 15 dice. Um, and yes. You, you take those 15 dice and you have the machine shuffle them, um, which I was like, oh, yeah, shuffle those CGI dice. <laughs> we spent half <laughs> Yeah, of they them. went hard on the 3D budget. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we got to reuse a lot of animation in this because we spent way too much money on those dice. We only rendered uh, this many cubes this season. <laughs> um so yeah, the machine shuffles the dice and then you get three dice per turn is what i kind of got from that yeah then there's like everyone has three life points like you would have in like a <clears throat> video game like zelda or something like hearts yeah you have three hearts and when and you roll die you want to get matching die but there's also different levels of die, which I'm not going to go into that. But uh, when you get a matching die, you can like spend those points to summon a monster, move a monster, use an ability of a monster. And I forget what the other two were. But um, So basically, yeah. um, each dice has a crest on it. And yeah. you want to... In order to summon monsters, you need to get matching. Two of the dice have to match in whatever crest they have. Yeah. And that means they have to match both in the symbol and in the number, like the level that they have. And then I think your it depends on the monster you summon depends on like the third die will have like a specific shape or something on it and that's the monster that you summon yeah i got from it it's like based on the dies level or something yeah and it just seems kind of random it did yeah, but when you summon a monster how you know what monster it is yeah when you summon a monster the coolest part i think is it like uh they like push the die into this grid and it like unfolds the die mm-hmm into a little like created dungeon landscape like spaces on a board game mm -hmm. yeah and basically you're trying to build your dungeon out to your enemies zone and uh take them out yes because um the way that you win is you have to knock out the person's hearts and the only way to do that is to build a pathway so that you can attack their hearts directly. Yes. Um, and along the way, you can also attack their monsters they've put on the field, and or they can attack yours. But that doesn't seem to affect the heart points the same way that it would affect the life points. 
Right. And There's I way more uh, Doom Monsters game. Sp spatial reasoning in this game and less math. Um, something that I kind of was questioning while I was watching this episode, which if it seems like we're talking a lot about the like mechanics of the dungeon dice game, neither episode really has much else to talk about. Right. Um, there's a little bit at the end of this episode where they go into Duke's background or whatever, but it's mostly yeah. like how to play dungeon dice monsters. How to play this new game we're teaching you in this episode for some reason. Um, but something that like I had a question about is this game seems like it has a very, it would be very hard to play without this particular duel arena. Absolutely. So it's weird. It was weird to me that like Duke seemed so sure that this game would sweep the nation, but I'm like, it feels like there would be a very high um, price threshold for people's ability to play it. Like, in order to play yeah. this game, you would have to have an arena that would allow you to, like, as they continue to say whenever they summon a monster, dimension the dice. Right. So that you would have that visual path. And yeah, you would also, I guess if you wanted to play it in more of, like, a board game space, you would need a die that can unfold, which I have no idea how. That's what I was thinking. That can be made. That was like in my head. I'm like, that's the hardest part is that if you're playing it with dice, there would need to be a way to visualize that pathway. So unless you're doing it like um, like you could maybe do it D&D &D style where you have little um, representations of the monsters. Yeah. And you can I guess like, you could draw, draw it out. Yeah. But that would... I mean, like, if you're a kid playing it, you don't want to be drawing it out. You would want to be, like, actually using the arena. So you would almost have to, like, you would almost have to buy, like, a miniature setup that would be, like, a, a battleship layout. Yeah, I also don't, like, with Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you want to get all of them because they're cool and different monsters. And this, it's, like, you have different die. And that seems less exciting and more like there's limited variations of how many die there are to sell to these kids. Yeah, a question I had later on in the episode was I was like, how do you get the die? Are there like booster packs? And in the booster packs, how many dice would you get? Right. Because if you need 15 to play and you kind of want to have a like good chunk of dice to be able to pick from because I think earlier in the episode Duke is like oh you want to have more lower level dice than higher level dice because of whatever it's easier to summon yeah um, Yugi has a bunch of high level dice where the chances to summon based on the roller uh lower so yeah. it's hard for him to summon monsters throughout this whole episode yeah you would have to buy a lot of those booster packs. So it seems like it would just be more expensive. And so I would not imagine that it would overtake dual monsters in any way, which it seems like a much easier game. It seems to... like a bad game all around. Um, I'm just saying. It, it seems like a game that a teenager created <laughs> and has not fully figured out. Yeah. Um, Though there is a part in the episode where Yugi finds something out, and then Duke is like, it took me weeks weeks to come up with that. Yeah, and like Duke kind of keeps <laughs> dropping stuff that seems like it should have been like stuff that he said first, or he'll be like, it's the first rule of Dungeon Dice. And it's like a yeah. very strange, esoteric rule. Yep. So... I don't know. And also, do you have to say dimension the dice when you summon a monster? That would get old very fast. <laughs> There's a lot of dim dimensioning the dice yeah. happening this episode. Um, but I did think that the monster 13th grave looked cool. So Yeah, they do this like close-up close shot on it. Yeah. It's all like, ah. Like a cool skeleton. 
Um, and then the, he's the like, big sword, right? Yeah, with like a big scythe. Right? Yeah. Or am I thinking of? I think it's a sword. Okay, yeah. I'm just thinking of the Grim Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool to see. You see some new monsters, and then you see some throwback monsters. Mm -hmm. So I guess this game shares the same. I don't know universe as the Yu-Gi-Oh monsters. Yeah, I wonder if Duke's plan, because we find out later that Duke designed this game and he emailed it to Pegasus, uh, which yeah. I love the email graphics of him like sending yeah. it and then being like, I it took him a few days to respond to me. Like, He's <laughs> the CEO of a company. Yeah. <laughs> you it should would, be surprised he responded, to be honest. It would be but weird sure. if he was really quick on the response. Yeah. That would be a bad sign. I um, asked him to join my Discord server, but he declined. <laughs> he didn't like one of the mods. Um, but it seemed like Duke had been in conversation with Pegasus about uh, Dungeon Dice, so I'm wondering if when he was designing it, he imagined that in working with Industrial Illusions, they would just use the dual monsters monsters in the dungeon yeah game, rather than having that's possible wholly new monsters um which i mean kind of sounds like what if you were a kid designing a game what you would do rather than i think what would be more compelling is to have a new monster pool to yeah you'd be like it's mario with a gun <laughs> it's mario but he's in halo so, like, Fortnite, almost? Like, yeah, can, like, Fortnite's more of, like, a... I don't know, just a weird blending of pop culture and money. Yeah, I, I'm, I was more thinking, like, because you can uh, dress your characters up like other pop culture characters. I don't know. Uh, I was just picturing Mario with, like, a Glock. Yeah. It would be like when you can play John Wick. It's like when you mod uh, GTA 5 and you're just Mario. Mm -hmm. Or when I play Left 4 Dead 2 with my friends and I'm Hatsune Miku. <laughs> like that. I think Hatsune Miku would be a good, like, real playable character in Left 4 Dead. She has her own games. Oh, she's also the pilot. That's another mod I added. Nice. And it's kind of sad because there's one campaign that you play where the pilot is like dead. So there was just a dead Hatsune Miku on the so ground. Sad. <laughs> oh my god, rest in pixels, Hatsune Miku. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this episode just took a sad turn. <laughs> um, but yeah, so later in the episode, we get to why Duke is so mad at Yugi, which is. Right. He had met with Pegasus, who beat him at his own game, and was like, oh, I would love to work with you on this game. We can write up the contracts after I do this big tournament that I have coming. After I do this big tournament in my island. Yes. And yep. then uh, the entire season of Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> happens. Yeah. And... Uh, Pegasus gets beaten so bad that he basically spiritually dies. And Duke's kind of out of luck with working with Industrial Illusions. And what he believes happened is that Yugi cheated and destroyed uh, Pegasus. And so Yugi is the reason why he's not going to get the big contract that he thought he was going to get. How are you going to get... Uh, how are you going to be a business boy when you get... a? Uh pissed when you're ghosted by a business partner you know i mean how are you going to be a business boy if you don't think that taking a helicopter to some weird secluded island <laughs> isn't a bad idea yeah i think i think that might just be the naive how old is this guy he's like a teenager yeah i think he's like their same age he's like 16 yeah i saw like when i saw him shaking hands with pegasus i was like nah man what are you doing <laughs> Oh, this right. isn't a dude Pegasus you want to be doing business with. Yeah. He's going to take all your IP. 
Yeah, it did. He's not. gonna social network you. <laughs> He's gonna uh, Silicon Valley you. It'll be just like that part in Social Network where Duke Devlin comes into the Dungeon Dice Monsters office and then. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? And then they're like, oh, come over here and sign these papers. And he's like, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, oh, man, they. They're taking me out of the company. I'm not coming back. But I for came one up with dice. Dungeon. I'm coming back <laughs> for all of the dice. <laughs> yeah. And then. Uh, I don't know who JT would be. I don't but, I'm not sure, but. I do like that everyone's so shocked that Duke is the one who invented Dungeon Dice because, yeah. like, who else would know that much about the game? Right. It's not that popular. Obviously, he didn't get the distribution deal, so, like, hoops else. <laughs> and it comes True. into the next episode, but I do want to mention it now, that this is getting back into the thing of people just knowing how to play a game, and because of that, another character being like, you're cheating. <laughs> right. Which, it doesn't make sense. They're just, they are playing the game and beating you. That doesn't mean they're cheating. Yeah, Yugi doesn't even know how to play the game. Yuki is literally using a help guide that I'm assuming... Right, there's a little Devlin monitor. Wrote. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is just like how you cheated against Pegasus. And I'm like, bud, he did not cheat. <laughs> I was there. He died. Um, But enough of this Dungeon Dice nonsense. I hear the sweet song of the bit corner calling to us. To yeah, no dice over there. There's no dice over here. Just like one stool that we both try to sit on. <laughs> um, in today's bit corner, I thought it would be fun if we sort of talked about like what the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh crew is posting on like Instagram, like what their social media kind of looks like. Yeah. Um, because I feel like Duke Devlin posts a lot of those weird, like, rise and grind, everybody. Every day is a new day to start your business. Like. Oh, he's like a, he's like that one guy on TikTok that's like, this is how you make money. You go to Craigslist and you buy a table for $10 and you sell it for $30. And you do that 6,000 times. Like that? Yeah, kind of. Like, there's yeah. people that just, like, post a lot of um, inspirational uh, graphics, but then you look mm -hmm. at them and you're like, that sucks. <laughs> I would never want to do that. Yeah. You're like, you have to work You have to work 200% harder than everybody else. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to work the percent of hard that I can. Yeah. I feel like uh, maybe Kaiba posts, like, stuff he's working on like new technology he'll post like secret r&d pics yeah but they're kind of out of focus so you can't see everything yeah or just like a robot picking up a chair or something there's a lot of pictures of mokuba on there <laughs> um, mokuba is definitely not on instagram he's on tiktok though he is on tiktok and he's big in roblox yeah yeah um, I feel like Taya has the most active Instagram. She's always posting, like, really, uh, Instagram, uh, worthy sort of, like, dessert pictures. Okay, she's a foodie. A bit of a foodie, yeah. She's, like, you know how, like, there's, a, there's those Instagrams that are just, like, people taking really photogenic pictures of, like, experiential stuff? Yeah. Where it makes you go like, oh, I wish I was walking around at that, like, shopping center. Oh, that looks really cool. Yeah, it's like ASMR, but for traveling. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Um, and Joey tries to have a foodie Instagram, but, like, everything he takes a picture of looks like shit. 
It's like burritos he's already bitten into. Oh, yeah. Like, it tastes delicious. He, like, forgets. He's like, oh, I just made this. And it's like ribs that look sad as hell. Yeah. Yugi's Instagram, I think, is just him and his friends. Like, pictures of him and his friends. Yeah. Him and his friends and, like, memes. But they're just about him and his friends. So nobody else finds them (laughs) relatable. Yeah. That feel when you're trapped in the shadow realm. Uh, that feel who would when you post like get trapped on an island? Yeah, who would post um pictures of just their cards? I feel like someone would do that. Oh, that's uh Yami Yugi's uh secret finstagram <laughs> that Yugi doesn't know about. Yeah, he's just selling cards on the side. Yeah, he posts whenever he gets like a really good one, and then there's just like a bunch of hashtags after that. It's like, best game in the world, king of games. <laughs> Hashtag not secretly uh, Egyptian uh, prince or whatever. Mm-hmm. His um, Instagram, like his Finstagram handle is secret pharaoh. So he's not keeping it very secret. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Tristan's is just him trying on different suits. I was going to say just, like, pictures of motorcycles that he wants. Oh, okay. Like, maybe yeah. he's working on... He's got, like, a, a car project or something that he's been working on. He likes is that it. a thing he does? Like, I an feel, actual show? I feel like there is a, um, like, a background plot in one of the mangas that he, like, likes to tool around, but... I don't know. Mm. I might just be thinking of fan fiction that I've read. So who can say? Pegasus's Instagram started out of just paintings of his wife or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it just turned into like even more just bougie pics of himself. Uh, Pegasus's Instagram is like Kim Kardashian's Twitter where she was posting <laughs> about her birthday party. Yeah, yeah. He's like, my my guards got me a hologram of my dearly departed wife. <laughs> she says she was so happy that I had found somebody like Croquet for me to bully and push around. It also said that Kanye West is the most genius man on the planet. Yeah, weirdly, for some it reason. still was like Kanye West is cool um because as we all know Kanye West is canonically in the Yu-Gi-Oh universe true that would be insane if that were true but I don't think it is uh we haven't seen this character in forever we probably won't again but Meko Tsunami definitely is a fish guy and he just posts pictures of the fish he catches I don't think we see him again this season but I, I believe he comes back Next season. Oh, okay. Uh, because there's another big uh, tournament-based arc. Oh, okay. uh, which I think I've talked about before on here, but it's called Battle City. Which is less a tournament taking place on some weird island, but is actually a tournament that takes place throughout the entire uh, Domino City. Mm. Um, and it's put on what? by Kaiba. Okay. Including... Um, one of my favorite scenes in all of Yu-Gi-Oh, which is uh, Kaiba is announcing the tournament and it's his announcement is like a video projected on a giant Kaiba core blimp. And in the video, he like basically says, I've started this whole tournament just so that I can narrow it down and duel Yu-Gi again. <laughs> wow. I think is very funny. I like that he is a business boy, but he is a business boy that cannot stop himself from being like, also, this is a very specific grudge about one person. A petty business boy, just like Steve Jobs. Just a real, real petty business boy. Um, oh, uh, what about Mai? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, I think Mai, it's like a lot of like lifestyle stuff. Like, when she gets her nails done, she's mm-hmm. posting them. 
And they look really cool when she, like, gets the new iPhone. Yeah. It's No all... thirst trapping, though. No. Did you say thirst trap? Yeah. Yeah. Some stuff. Some thirst trap stuff. Like, she'll yeah. post links to her OnlyFans or, like, I think she has a pretty successful ASMR YouTube. Yeah. Um, where she, like, bullies you. And that's how you go to sleep, <laughs> I guess. Let me bully you to sleep. <laughs> She's like, really? You're going to stay up until 2 a.m.? <laughs> I guess somebody doesn't want to win. And you go to sleep because you feel so ashamed. Um, but yeah, I think like she probably just has like a lifestyle and stuff. Yeah. And... Um, I do think maybe Yugi's uh, Instagram does include his growing Funko Pop collection. Oh. He's a big toy. You hate to see it. Hmm? You hate to see it. Hey, man, I'm looking at, like, four Funko Pops as we speak, so... That's called Dead Eyes. I mean, sometimes... Other people are not making figures for the things that you like in Funko Pop. That's true. Or they're making figures that cost $200 and Funko Pop <laughs> cost $10. So, yeah. Uh, but, anyways, time to talk about Dungeon Dice Part 3. Let's do it. Let's do it, guys. Uh, um, we learned that Yugi's doing this duel. Well, we knew this, but they phrase it as to win Joey's freedom back, which I thought was funny. Yes, uh, because Joey, for this whole episode, is getting bullied by Duke Devlin's cheerleaders who are yelling at him and calling him a dog. And there's just so many dog puns in this episode. His simps, if as the kids say. What does simp mean? Like, where does it come from? Uh, I don't really know. I don't know if it's simpleton or not. I don't know. Also, I don't know why I thought, like, you would know the answer. <laughs> I think maybe because you're on TikTok more than I am, but I don't yeah. know what simp means. Do you, you don't know what the slang of it means? I kind, I feel like, okay, here's where I am with the word simp. I feel like I kind of know what it means, but not enough that I would feel comfortable using it like in a post. You yeah, know, I wouldn't. I might use it wrong. I, I in general wouldn't use it because it's kind of one of those words that's like weird internet gross. Mm. You know, you're just like, uh, that's the way people will use that word now. But I basically, think... it's kind of a term generally used for dudes that like uh worship a girl or it's even taken to an extreme where it's like if you're nice to a girl they'll call you a simp i feel like that's what always happens with like internet techno terminology which is yeah. it starts out being like describing the extreme of something and then slowly just becomes even like the echo of that behavior gets called whatever that is. Yeah. I'm mostly like curious about where the actual term comes from. The origin. Yeah. Cause I'm yeah. like, I don't know, like w would it be like simpering or something like that? Cause it has to come from a word, but we're, we are maybe getting a little too into this discussion. Hey, if you know what where it comes from, tweet at us at Yugi Bros Podcast. Uh, if you know where it comes from, do not tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> I want to go into like too old to know young people slang, just like so smooth. Yeah. So easy. Just like I don't even know what the fourteen-year-olds are saying. Um, uh, we see Grandpa on this episode. Yes, he's very excited about the big TVs in front of Duke Devlin's um, 
game shop. And yeah, then... I have a question. So he like crawls through the crowd and he gets all like heart eyes looking at the cheerleader girls. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there's a translation here where it was I... like, oh, he's horny. But in the kids version, it's like he's excited about the TV screens. I think it's supposed to be a joke. Yeah. Like you think that he's like, oh, cheerleaders. But then like it's a twist and it's like, oh, I'm so excited about these giant TVs. You think that's true also in the Japanese version? Probably. Okay. That's often what jokes are passed for in manga. All right. Um, I, he, yeah, he gets like really surprised because he didn't know that Yugi was dueling Duke Devlin. Um, this is also where we get introduced to Yugi using the help screen in yes. his little um, arena setup to learn how to play Dungeon Dice because Duke Devlin is doing a very bad job of explaining it. It's like when you're playing a board game for the first time and reading the rules and your friend's like, whatever, whatever, let's just play and we'll figure it out as we go. That's what Yugi's doing. Yeah. Um, and he's doing a pretty good job of it because I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Yugi is the king of games. So your weird little dungeon game is probably not going to uh, defeat him. Yeah. And there are parts of this episode that I really tuned out, which I feel bad about. But Same. I had to turn on the oven. <laughs> um, but yeah, so again, so Yugi starts to use the help guide to... Uh, help him make better moves, which means that he starts doing better against Duke and is starting to um, destroy more of his monsters. And Duke is like, oh, how's this cheating guy going to cheat on me? And you're like, he's not cheating. He is playing your bad game. Yeah. If anything, like, uh, I feel like the setup of Duke, how well Duke is doing seems to imply that he is cheating. Yeah, and even Yugi kind of learns from Duke's moves. Like, Duke uses some ability of this, his, uh, it's like Dragon Bomber or something. Yeah. And then yeah, Yugi he... uses an ability of his uh, own monster to kind of counterattack that move. Yes. He's able to, like, boost his monster's defense points against, um, Duke's attack. Yes. Um, but something Duke reveals that I actually felt like was a very interesting part of the game was he was like, oh, I've been focusing on creating a pathway so that I can directly get to your hearts as well as cut off your path. So yeah. now Yugi's a little bit trapped. Which I was like, oh, that's like an interesting move. That's, like, smart gaming. Yeah, basically, Duke has created his dungeon layout to block off Yugi's. Kind of like how you would in, uh, I don't know. Uh, like tic-tac-toe. Sure, yeah, tic-tac-toe. I like tic-tac-toe. That's, um, like, the one idea I would steal from this game. The, mm -hmm. like, whole dungeon generation based on die rolls is, like interesting the rest of it i'm like yeah whatever well and also what duke says is that yugi can use his dungeon path but yeah. if he does then he has to get past duke's monsters right i'm kind of like like what i kind of feel like that just makes the game longer which is not necessarily sure. better yeah. And so, like, all is not lost, but Yugi would have to defeat all of those monsters. And then Duke introduces this uh, black die that brings out an especially powerful thing called a warp vortex. <laughs> I like that they used the word warp and vortex. 
Yeah, and like Yami Yugi is like, what the fuck did you? What are what are you <laughs> saying to me right now? Yeah, are you making this shit up? And Duke Devon's like, yeah. don't you understand? It's a warp <laughs> vortex. This is like day one stuff. Yeah, he's like, what's this look like? And Yugi just says, looks like a black dye. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess the warp vortex is, um, it creates a, a hole in the ground that, um, you can drop your monster into, and when you get a different, you have to get two, uh, of the black die, and you can drop one portal on one side of the, um, board and then drop the other one on the other side and move your monsters through those portals. So it's just portal. Basically. Yes. Um, and uh, he puts... Duke puts one on his side, and then he put... Because he immediately rolls another black die, which is insane. I thought Yugi does the other end, right? Mm-mm. No, it doesn't... No, like, Duke... Duke... Uh, sorry. I was zoning out a little bit at this part, but, like... Duke does the first portal, and then uh -huh. Yugi gets the really fast ninja, and then the next thing is Duke gets the portal. But you you might be right that Yugi is the one that uses it, because I kind of zoned out a little bit at that part. I also did. I, I do remember the sweet ninja's animations, though, because there's a lot of it. Mm -hmm. As Joey said, I love to watch that ninja run. <laughs> and that's also how I felt. Oh, there's a lot of dog puns in this episode, or like several where, uh, yeah, I, I think Tristan says I, like that's rough, and Taya says it's a dog eat dog world or something. I don't, I don't like that Joey's friends are not helping him, and instead <laughs> are making more dog puns. They're like, "Well, we gotta respect the rules of yeah. the game." Like I do want that Kigurumi, though. It looks comfy. Yes. Well, Joey says that it's nasty, so it maybe <laughs> it's unwashed. It's full of spiders. It's it's flea-bitten. Yeah. It's been just laying on the, the uh, game shop floor for ages. This dude was um, like, I can't get rid of it. What if one day I need a human dog? What if I need a human servant? You can wear this. Um, one thing that I did want to mention, like <laughs> manga versus anime, is that in the manga, this whole thing is not like Duke's idea. It's his dad's. Huh. And in the, the manga, like Duke's dad is this weird old clown dude who's the one who owns the game shop, and his whole thing is that he wants to put Yugi's grandpa out of business. Okay, interesting. And that's like... I was reminded of that because of um, Duke's necklace, which has a little clown on it. And I believe the ending of that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe the ending of that duel in the manga is Duke being like, yeah, I don't think I want to fight my dad's uh, weird vendetta anymore. <laughs> it kind of sucks, and you guys seem cool, so I'm going to stop doing that. Um, which I like as a plot point in many Yu-Gi-Oh! things, which is someone is being kind of told to dislike Yugi and his friends, and then them being like, actually, these guys seem fun and nice, so... <laughs> so maybe not. Hmm? So maybe not uh, have a vendetta against them. Yeah. Basically like Mokuba with Yugi and friends versus Kaiba with Yugi and friends. Where right. Mokuba's like, they're like my friends because they've saved me a lot of times. Oh, another rule that kind of complicates stuff is the monsters have health points. Unlike in oh, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Where they just have attack and defense points and can either die or not in this game you can they can take hits and still be on the board i wonder how much of this dungeon dice stuff is like preparing you for the fact that 
in the next arc, it introduces what the actual like rules of the IRL Yu-Gi-Oh card game is, which is that you yeah. have to do monster sacrifices in order to summon higher level creatures. Right. Um, and so if maybe part of like the dungeon dice thing of summoning and all that kind of stuff based on the dice that you have is kind of like a runway to being like, and now also the rules of Yu-Gi-Oh are going to kind of be like that. But I think it's just too complicated in dungeon dice. Definitely. There's not enough, I think, um, upfront visualization of what you're summoning in the way that in like Yu-Gi-Oh, you're able to see what you're summoning and see what you're sacrificing. Yeah, the board's pretty simple in Yu-Gi-Oh. I would say that the um, problem with uh, dungeon dice is uh, too many dice. <laughs> I don't want any more of these dice. Yeah. And that's why we will uh, not buy your game, Mr. Devlin. This episode ends, I think, with Yugi using that ninja to attack Duke Devlin. Yes. He takes out one of his uh, hearts. So he has to get rid of two more. Yep. In order to win. Which it seems like the ninja can just stand there and do that. I don't... Okay. Yeah, like... Yeah, that seems like what you would do. But I'm sure that the ninja is going to get taken out in the next episode. So, who knows? I guess we'll find out. Yep. Nothing I say is really a spoiler because I've forgotten everything that happens in the episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are those two episodes. Um, Time for uh, wrap-up. Wrap-up talk. Yeah, I guess we'll rate this set when it's over which is we still got one more episode mm -hmm. for this four-part great series of dungeon dice monsters what a boring end to this season it's pretty bad i'm sorry i was like man what the fuck is this what, what really... is going on? why are we learning a whole new game <laughs> i really feel like yeah. these first episodes give you such a bad taste in your mouth for the character of duke devlin yeah. Who's not that bad the further on you get in the series because you get mm. smaller doses of him. Right. Because I don't know if you were aware, but Duke Devlin's going to stick around and become kind of part of the cast. In the way. Is he going to be like, hey, let's play Dungeon Dice Monsters? And they're like, shut up, Duke. We're not playing your game right now. We're playing Dungeon Monsters regularly. No, he's kind of like. Not in the same way, but at like a Bakura level where every once in a while he'll be in the same place as everybody else. So he'll be just oh, like okay. part of the story. He doesn't have any millennial items or whatever, though. No, he doesn't, which is it makes it a little more like you don't really understand why he's there. <laughs> you don't. I don't understand why he's there. I don't like this yeah. character. But he's kind of just like another guy who's on the team to bring a different perspective. Um, mm. He usually like brings a similar perspective as uh, Yugi does, where he's very smart about games and like the game design. And so uh, I see. Uh, he kind of, brings... I wish he was more like Gambit from X-Men <laughs> and had a Nolan's accent. I mean, that's my critique of most media products is i'm like <laughs> i wish that you had like maybe a gambit character yeah and they're like oh you mean like a cool guy that like has telepathic powers i'm like no a guy with a new orleans accent <laughs> maybe he carries a big staff and he loves gambling yeah think about it i'm always like i wish there were was more of a toad character in this a character that has the powers of a toad Oh, I thought you were going to say Super Mario's Toad. No, I was we're not sure if his hat is his head. I love X-Men mutants. I love when there's mutants that just have absolutely useless powers. That would suck if you lived in the X-Men universe and you just had like a totally bullshit power. Yeah, like uh, 
you can like make stuff wet, but only when you sneeze. Well, it would be like, oh, you have two noses. Oh, okay. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with that? I can't go to X, the Xavier's Academy. I just got two noses. Or your farts smell like potpourri. Yeah, like you have just like nice smelling fart. Because like <laughs> mutations could be anything. Yeah. And then you still have the fucking government being like, we need to register you on a list in case you <laughs> kill everybody. Like those mutants that yeah. can control people's minds. Yeah. You're like, I have two noses. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just want to get a job at a bank. Professor Xavier has like a incredible mind powers. Why doesn't he just levitate all the time or something? Kind of. Mm. So, okay. Now we're getting into what I like to talk about. Uh, basically... Welcome to our new segment, X-Men Zone. Well, they kind of, like, tapped into this stuff with um, one of the X-Men movies, but it is more like... Uh, Professor Xavier, basically, he just has, like, really powerful telepathy. Mm -hmm. um, but he doesn't really have a ton of telekinesis, which is the thing that would make him able to lift stuff. That's... Uh. Um, there are, like, mutants that do have that power. Like, that's why um, Jean Grey Phoenix is so powerful, mm -hmm. because she has right. both incredible skill as a telepath, but she's also, yeah. like, has a bunch of telekinetic power, which allows her to, like, really fuck shit up. Yeah. Um, but it, it is more like there are varying degrees of different mutations that you like, there are people who are telepaths, but it's, like, so low level. Like, they could maybe right. only read one person's mind. Right. Um, and it depends on, like, the amount of training and all that kind of stuff that you have. Uh, so I don't think that Professor X could make himself float. Maybe he could, if he tried really hard, but probably not. Um, Magneto can make himself float, though. Because he puts the metal in his um, costume. Boots. And so he can make yeah. that float. Do you think he avoids getting fillings at the dentist? Um, I don't think that Magneto goes to the dentist at all. <laughs> I would say. True. If Probably it is right. a human dentist, he will not go to that dentist. Maybe if it was a mutant mm. dentist. Yeah. But he probably gets the... Um, there's, there's fillings that you can get that are non-metal ones, so I think that he probably just gets those. Yeah. I say because I have so many fillings, and none of them are metal. Um, when I was a kid, I was very jealous of people that I saw ha who had metal fillings because I thought they were really pretty. Mm. And I remember the first time I had to get a filling, and I complained to my mom, because I was like, I can't even see it. I don't even know where it is. <laughs> and she was like, you don't want metal fillings. <laughs> I know you think that's what yeah. you want, but you don't. Yeah. You know what? She was right. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom, for protecting me from Magneto, who doesn't exist. <laughs> and thank you, Sam, for letting me talk for a long time about X-Men in our Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> podcast. Well, you clarified the uh, uh, Professor Xavier argument I had, so... I have very specific knowledge about x-men but it's also like i love x-men it's so cheesy and i like that in x-men in many x-men stories there is an allowance for the fact that like a lot of people have bullshit mu mutations and that's why so often they're like it's stupid to have this mutant registration act there are so many mutants that do not have these powers that could destroy people like that's bullshit we should do a Yu-Gi-Oh X-Men crossover tweet I don't know what it would be I'd but... have to think on that one Yeah, I, I would have to really spend my weekend uh, considering and consulting just uh, just post a picture of like the Yugi crew and be like I'm gonna tell my kids this was the X-Men 
I'm just gonna find a picture of Ian McKellen and put the Yugi hairdo on him. <laughs> yeah, that works too. <laughs> well, if you'd like to see those tweets, follow us at Yugi Bros Podcast. Uh huh. <laughs> and if you have questions or comments about any of the things discussed today, like simping, X Men, uh, uh I. Hey, here's something. Um, tell us if you think, like I have just thought, that X Men, the X Men movies, are sad boy movies. Mm, they are centering on some boys that are sad. I think Logan is definitely there. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, all the all the X Men movies focus too much on the sad boys when, like, the cool characters are the ladies because they're so powerful. Yeah. What email can they reach us at, James? You can reach us at yugibrospodcast at gmail.com. Um, I will try to remember to look at that email, uh, but I might forget because I'm thinking about um, the X-Men Yu-Gi-Oh! tweet. <laughs> yeah, uh, and thank you to Jocelyn Reyes for doing our intro. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. You can buy her stuff on Bandcamp. Um, Do it. Support your local band camp. I know y'all are posting your Spotify streams. People don't make money off of streams unless it's like 10 billion jillion plays. So mm -hmm. if you like an artist, uh, maybe think about giving them some money on Bandcamp. Yeah, maybe think about kicking some bucks their way. Yeah, buy some merch. I, I was trying to buy some 100 Dex merch. They're most of their merch is pretty ugly, and the ones I wanted were sold out, but I will buy some merch eventually. What? You're telling me 100 Gex had ugly merch? <laughs> I would never have guessed that from their entire aesthetic. Also, I, I need more long sleeves. Oh, okay. Bands, make some long sleeves. I it's love getting long cold. sleeves. I got too many t-shirts. I've been getting really into long sleeves. Alright, well... Uh, I forgot to... Write down what to say at the end of the podcast like I usually do. Oh, wait. Dimension yeah. the dice. All right. Get out of here, duelists. Bye. It's time to... <laughs> 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 <laughs>